Hey, CS Psychos, Rachel Provan here. And today I'm going to talk to you about what a lot of CS leaders do wrong when they want to talk to the C-suite and convince them of something. We'll talk about what you're probably doing wrong, what you should do instead, and some tips to make sure that your ideas really come across. That's all coming up next right here on Psychology of Customer Success. Humans don't think or behave like computers. You can't just run a command and get them to do what you want them to do. So why are you still basing your CS strategy based solely on logic? I'm Rachel Provan, CS leadership coach, award-winning CS strategist, and certified psych nerd. I teach CS leaders how to build and scale world-class CS departments using a combination of strategy, leadership, and mindset, using my secret weapon, psychology. Come join me every Wednesday for Psychology of Customer Success, where we'll dive into why people do the things they do, what motivates them, and the effect that has on your CS strategy, team dynamics, and executive presence. Make sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts, and make sure to share it with your CS bestie. Talk soon, and here's to your success. Welcome back. This is episode number 10. And today we're talking about the one tool most CS leaders forget when talking to the C-suite. And I am so sorry to tell you, it's a fucking PowerPoint. Slide deck, presentation, whatever you want to call it, you need to bring a visual. So you can know that this might be a problem for you if every time you talk to the C-suite, you feel like they're yesing you to death, but then later saying, oh, that was a really great idea. But It's just not the right time. If they don't seem to understand the urgency of the issues that you're talking about, or if you're feeling like they don't care about the customers and you don't know why, this all feels like it should be obvious, you're probably needing to get to the point better, get some structure in there, and talk to them in a way that they can really process it. The real problem is their priorities are different than yours. They have to be. Their priority at the C-suite is to make sure that the company keeps growing, keeps functioning. They're primarily focused on financials. Now, that can be a little tricky with CS because our financials are lagging indicators. And there's a really long time between when we implement something and when it actually shows up in churn or in NRR. When you talk about something, it can seem like it's more, it's farther off instead of more immediate problems that you can solve faster and see a result faster. Another issue is they're overwhelmed. The C-suite, just like you, has too much to do. There's too much being asked of them. And the higher you move up in an organization, and you may notice this as becoming a leader, the more you have to say no to things. Because if you're saying yes to everything, You're going to run out of time and you're going to run out of money. And the C-suite has to say no to a lot of things because there's only so many strategic initiatives you can be doing at one time. There's only so much budget to go around. So when they're overwhelmed and you come in with a very good story explaining why customers are upset, why this is going to lead to churn, why they need a given feature that's not there, or why a particular bug needs to be fixed and prioritized over a new feature... That can make a lot of sense to them, and they can agree with you in the moment, but what's going to happen is there are people coming in and out of their office all day, every day, virtual or otherwise, and asking for things. 
And your ask, while it may have been very well thought out and understandable and right, is just not going to seem as relevant and as important as when somebody comes in with a big, scary chart with a big red number on it saying, you're going to lose this much money. All of a sudden, whatever you were talking about, out the window, because visuals convey urgency a lot better. If it's tied to revenue and it's visual, you're going to have a lot more impact. So the one other thing I will say on that is where you may be going wrong is in CS, because of those lagging indicators, it's harder to call a number, right? Because it's harder to predict, a lot of times we just don't do it. That's the safer bet. Just not give any number, not give any financial outcome that's going to happen. You don't want to make a promise you can't keep. It's hard to know if it's going to work out. There's so many variables. Eh, that is not going to wash <laughs> with the C-suite. If you want to do something and you want their buy-in, they need to know the financial impact. And here's the thing. Nobody is expecting you to nail this on the dollar. Estimate. Explain how you got your numbers. Like, here's what I'm thinking. Here's why I'm thinking it. Here's how I'm getting there. You have to call a number because otherwise, if you say, I want to do this thing. Okay. What's that going to do? It's going to keep the customers from being upset and churning. Okay. By how much? Well, we don't know. Okay. Then why are they going to do it? How much is this going to cost them? How much is, how much benefit is this going to get them? Tie it to a number. And this is something that I talk about a lot in CS Leadership Academy. There are certain ways to break these things down. It takes me a while to get into it, which is why I can't do it here. But basically understanding who's involved and who do they represent. It's not just the five people involved. It's what sort of cohort, what industry, what, how much money are they worth as an average. So that's a starter way of figuring these things out. Another thing that we tend to do wrong in CS is there's a lot of nuance to customer success and getting it right. And that's really not the right level of communication for the C-suite. There are different levels of communication that you need all across the organization, the right level of detail. For them, they need very little detail. It's really just, here's what I want to do. Here's the here's why. Here's the expected outcome. I've heard it said that be brief, be right, be gone. And it's not that they don't like you and they want you gone, but just that is the preferred formula because they've got a lot on their plate. So I tend to change that a little bit to be brief, tie it to revenue, bring charts. And that's my version of it. So why do you need a PowerPoint? A picture says a thousand words, right? It can. But something that a lot of people do wrong with PowerPoints is they treat it like a Word document. And or it's like it's supposed to be their speaker notes and they just put everything in bullet points or some sort of paragraphs, whatever, on slides and read those aloud to whoever is being forced into this atrocity. And I'm pretty much willing to guess that if you've been in a presentation like this, you have not enjoyed it. You don't remember it. It's boring because what happens in that situation is you go back and forth between the person who's talking and the slide. And you can read faster than they can talk, but their talking is probably throwing off your reading. So you don't even really get the full point they're trying to make. All you know is you're bored and you want to be doing something else. Whereas a presentation, and again, hate doing them, but 
A presentation is a way to get your point across and to tell your story, to turn it into a story, to turn it into something interesting so that people don't zone out. And maybe you've tried just like throwing a slide or two together with just charts or with just data, raw data on it. And that doesn't really help if you're not using that data to tell a story. What was it before? What is it now? What do we need it to look like? Seeing pie charts, bar graphs, whatever you want next to each other that can allow us to see the difference. How much of a gap is there from where we are and where we want to be? Or how much better are we doing than we were before? That really conveys that in a way that you're just telling someone isn't going to. Numbers uh, are hard to argue with. Something that can throw you off here is sometimes we don't have the data. Sometimes the data isn't accurate. This is not an excuse to not do a presentation. You can either speak to them about the lack of data integrity and how that's being worked on and say, given everything we know about the customers, this is our baseline. This is our best guess. Don't say guess. This is our this is our understanding of where we are. This is our estimate without having that data. Whatever you could do to move that along to get that data to us would be great. But this is our current understanding of it. And this is what we would like to move it to. You know how much of your customers, what percentage are upset about something. And if you say it's 20 and it's really 28, I don't think anyone's going to throw tomatoes at you. I hope not. Anyway, the other thing is don't bring emotion into it too much. Don't bring the emotion of the customers and don't complain because CS can very easily turn into the complaint department and Nobody likes somebody who comes in and is just like bashing the product, bashing what we're doing to improve it. There are bugs. I don't like this feature. The customers hate it. People don't really want to hear that about their business. So even if you are on the receiving end of this information, you need to know that's not representative of all customers. And you have to bear in mind who you're talking to, what they care about, and what's going to make them turn away from you. You can say that this is important information, they have to know it, but you need to know how to frame it right. Frame it positively. Here's where we are, but here's where we could be if we change this one thing, rather than here's where we are and here's all we're going to lose. It's a slideshow. It's a movie. These are visual representations of the story that you're telling. Use cue cards if you can't remember everything that you need to. If it's something where you're going to be sharing your screen, use speaker notes. That's the joy of so many of these things you can do a presentation on, whether it's Google Slide or PowerPoint or Canva. There's a place for presentation mode and you can do your speaker notes and just read off those. If you are not in that situation and you are going to be presenting live, I'm going to give you a trick that I used to use as an actor when I did that many moons ago for a long time as an actor, you have to learn a lot of lines and usually pretty quickly. And one of the ways that we do that is not trying to memorize word by word, but trying to get the general understanding of what the scene is about. So before I'll try and get into every word of dialogue that I'm trying to remember, I'll say, okay, this is the scene. What happens here? This is the scene where my character and her husband are having a fight over who does the dishes. All right. So I know that I'm going to be talking about dishes. Uh, do I remember the order of this goes in the fight? Oh yeah. It was his turn and he forgot to do the dishes. Okay. 
why did I care particularly? Oh, I'd done them the last six days in a row and it's starting to smell and now we have a mouse. This is not taken from my real life at all, by the way. Uh, But I break those things down and then I take it what happened with the last six times where she did it. Do I remember what those instances were? And that helps me get it down to paragraph by paragraph level. And this is a similar thing with what you're talking about. Why are you going in there? What point do you want to make? Why are you talking to them? What is the end result you want? Always begin with the end in mind. You're going in there because you want to talk about the customers. You want this feature prioritized and moved up in the list, even if it means we can't have this other thing right away. And the reason you want this is because three of your largest customers that make up 50% of the income of the, maybe not, but 50% of the company ARR want this feature and it's very important to them. You're coming in to tell them that. You're coming in and say, hey, we got to prioritize. We got to move this. Here's what's going to happen if we don't. We're at risk of losing these customers. And here's how much money they're worth. If we do it, here are the benefits. So you don't necessarily need a script to be able to recount that, I, I would think. You just need to understand why you're going in there and what you're talking about and what you want the end result to be. And you're going to use the slides as just kind of visual cues as to where you are in the story. The other sort of brief rules that I'll give you for a presentation, it's funny, this was originally just going to be a LinkedIn post, and I realized I had so much to say about it and just how many people get this wrong that I was like, no, I need to go into a little bit more of detail and we need to talk about this more. My favorite thing to remember with presentations is the 10, 20, 30 rule. So this is no more than 10 slides, no smaller than 20 font, and no more than 30 minutes. And the no smaller than 20 font and 10 slides really helps you prevent doing the the death by PowerPoint and putting all your words on there because they're probably not going to fit. The other tip I'll give you, practice and rehearse. I know this is incredibly painful. Nobody, even I don't like giving presentations and I'm fine talking in front of people, but practicing and rehearsing, you're going to feel awkward as ass. Okay, because talking to yourself with no one watching like I'm doing right now, it takes a lot of getting used to because you're used to having other people's faces to read, to react off of. So if you get in your head a little bit while you're practicing, just don't stress about it too much. If you feel like, oh, my God, I am tripping over my words. This is terrible. Why do my eyebrows look like that? Is that really what my face looks like? How am I walking around without a bag over my head? Tip for that. Don't have yourself show on camera while you're doing it, but do record yourself for pacing, for time, and just to get comfortable going through the material. You don't even have to watch it back if you don't want to, but it is helpful to know it's there. And finally, you want to anticipate questions and objections. You want to encourage them to think of questions as you're going through it. You want to think about what problems might come up, where might they have an objection, what might they be concerned about, and what do I have to tell them why this is a good idea anyway. You want to stay calm and confident. Take a moment to collect your thoughts before responding to any question. Look, if they come up with a question and you're like, okay, I have no idea how to answer that. That is not the end of the world, and it is not the first time this has happened in a presentation. Your job is not to know everything under the sun. And this is one of the reasons that you're presenting it to them, because you don't necessarily have all the information in the organization. So if they ask you something and it's a stumper, it's okay to say, you know what? 
That's a great question. That's something I'm going to look into and get back to you by this afternoon. I have some thoughts on it, but I want to make sure that I've got all my ducks in a row and can give you an accurate answer. That is totally acceptable and normal and fine. No one's, oh my God, so incompetent. You didn't know the answer to every single question I could possibly think of. And use questions to your advantage. Questions can be an opportunity to provide additional information and reinforce your key points. Sometimes when people have a question, it's actually a misconception. It's actually because they're making a common mistake about something. Often when people have, or an objection, this is something that we do in marketing or sales a lot. It's somebody says they don't have time for something. It's like, that's actually an interesting point. You might not know what those objections will be. You might not nail that the first time around. Over time, you'll get a sense of what they object to and how to counter those things. So you have to bring it to higher level ideas. So even if it's just a picture and what would be a header, that's fine. You're just visually keeping people, you're pacing them through the story. Where you will use the most impactful images will be data, will be charts, will be where you're tying it to the financial and use those to tell a story. They don't need a whole lot of nuance. They just need to know why this matters and what the stakes are so they can make their decision. And the reason this is really helpful and that you want to actually do this, even though it's a pain in the ass, uh, it helps you organize your thoughts. And that's important when talking to people in senior leadership. You want to come across composed. You want to come across logical. You don't want to ramble. Another part of it is people remember things better when it's presented to them visually. 65% of people are visual learners. That's unfortunate for me because I'm not, and I really struggle to give a visual representation of anything because I just don't think that way. But for most people, that is going to help them remember. So if you want the C-suite to remember what you were talking about after you left, this gives them something to refer back to, and they're going to have that visual imprinted on their brain as something that matters. The other thing is you're now dealing with two with two modalities, which is both visual and auditory. I'm auditory. You can tell me things and that's plenty for me. I don't need to see anything. But that way you're covering two modalities. The people who learn best by hearing, they're still hearing you. And the people who learn best by visuals, they're now getting the visual. So you've covered about 85% of the learners at this point, and that's pretty good for one shot. By the way, it doesn't have to be 30 minutes. It can be less. It's even better if it's less. If it can be three slides, don't make it 10. But visuals definitely give impact to numbers in a way that just stating them can't. Seeing that pie chart with just how much of your revenue is at stake or just how much revenue is possible, that really is going to be one of the most impactful things that you're going to show them. And finally, a presentation shows you put time and energy and thought into this. It's the language of senior leadership. It's how they get their heads together, convey ideas and plans. It's like, all right, everybody look up here. Here are the plans I have. Here's what I'm going to do. Does that make sense to everybody? Everybody on board? Yeah. All right. Great. I'm going to do it. The sooner this becomes a habit for you and you get comfortable laying out your ideas and the stakes in this way, the faster you're going to be seen as a senior leader, because the way you organize your thoughts will be seen as more mature, more impactful, and the way the rest of them do. 
That's really it for today. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of Psychology of Customer Success. If you want to take the next steps in learning more about how to become an amazing CS leader, how to maximize your impact in your role, make sure that you get on the wait list for the next round of CS Leadership Academy, where I walk you through this process step-by-step for CS strategy, team leadership, and mindset. If you have something you'd like us to talk about on the podcast or a question you want answered, you can leave a voice message for us now on our website, which is psychologyofcustomersuccess.com. So that's it for today. As usual, take care of yourself, get some rest, and don't forget to share this with your CS bestie. Talk soon and here's to your success.